Sometimes I feel. I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that ditch. You don't have to get that ditch. Attaccare! Almost forgot to turn the mics on. It goes to show how sleep-deprived I am, Josh. But welcome to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBono and Josh Parrish here in the studio on a Monday night. Josh, it's been a massive weekend of football, not only in Australia, but all around the world, especially in Europe. How are you feeling, mate? Attacare. Attacare. That's the motto of the weekend in Serie A. And there's no, it's no wonder you sleep-deprived, Nick DeBono, because yep. there was... Way too much good football to watch. Way too many highlights to mainline in preparation for this show. But just goals, goals, and more goals. Verona 4, Venezia 3, Spezia 2, Sassuolo 2, Fiorentina 3, Bologna 2, and most importantly, Napoli 2, Atalanta 3, which has big implications for the title race over in Italy. Over in Germany, though, they're more concerned about the referees, or at least... uh, Jude Bellingham is, but we'll get to that a bit later. Absolutely. I mean, Jude teeing off. Um, hey, hey, Jude, don't don't make it bad. <laughs> just, just Anyways. Take a deep breath. Yes. Um, I think you definitely <laughs> had to because I think he's going to I can't continue have... that because otherwise we'll get sued by uh, yes. EMI. So. I mean, we're not playing it, so <laughs> you can't sing it either. That, that's definitely another issue in itself. But, I mean, for Jude Bellingham, we'll get to it later, uh, he's definitely going to have a big, hefty fine potentially coming in the mm. mail very, very soon. I don't think that the uh, Bundesliga officials will be looking down upon that very... Well, they'll, they'll be frowning upon that because mm. that's not necessarily the way to go about it. And then obviously I have Jose Mourinho on the other side of things and we'll start in Serie who basically told journalists, I'm not answering your questions because our job is harder and that's why we get paid more than you. <laughs> So that's why there's going to be a lot of journalists and I'm talking to my friends over in Italy, all the Italian journalists out there. I'm not saying I'm all for picket fencing and unionizing everything, but this is now your chance because <laughs> Mourinho's gone out. And, hey, maybe it could be a double, maybe it could be a bit of like a, a bit of reverse psychology. Maybe this is what causes, you know, the, um, the, min- the minimum award to be raised and the minimum wage <laughs> among media uh, practitioners in Italy. But anyways, um, let's talk about the action on the field. We'll start with Napoli versus Atalanta. Um, the Serie A title race at the moment, completely blown open, basically because of this game, um, has now, it's gone from a two-horse race to a three-horse race, but now it's a four-horse race. And Atalanta, they have hit a brilliant run of form at the moment. It's another win for them after a bit of a scratchy start. They've won five on the bounce in the league, including a win over Juve and Napoli on the road. They had to do it the hard way. They took the lead early, but then they found themselves behind. But goals from Meri Demiral and Remo Froila got them over the line. They're starting to get players back. They got the job done. While for Napoli right now, they are losing players and it is starting to take a toll on their position on the Serie A standings without Kalido Koulibaly, Victor Ossiman, um, as well without Zambangisa in midfield. They are absolutely ravaged. And also Fabio Ruiz is another one that they're missing. So they're, mm. they're trying to fit um, square pegs in round holes at the moment and make it work. And um, Atalanta exposed them in every sense of the word. I think they've even had to change the shape of the team mm. to mitigate the 
uh, injury problems. I mean, Di Lorenzo is not a centre-back. You can only conceivably play him on the right side of a three if you're going to play him centrally, and that's what they had to switch to uh, in midfield. You know, they're not always playing 3-4-3. Three, three. They're usually a 4-3-3 three, three type mm. of operation, but they had to switch that because they just don't have enough midfield depth. And uh, this, these injuries in defence and central midfield in particular, I think, are affecting their ability to both defend but also control games, control mm. the pace of games, which Fabian Ruiz gives you. Uh, he's a player who likes to play at his own pace. Yes. And the games are getting more and more frenetic uh, without him in there. So Zielinski and Lobotka, I think, were a little overrun by uh, by Atalanta. They almost tried to beat Atalanta at their own game with their mm. own shape. It was man for man all over the pitch. And yeah. it, was a, it was a great watch, but it was super uh, end-to-end and, and Napoli were never truly in control of it. So... Look, uh, I, I I love Mertens playing as the false nine. I'm, I'm a big Victor Osman fan as well. Um, he often bails you out. Uh, but Mertens is a false nine in the form that he's in, despite his age. I still think you can get by playing him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the midfield and the defense for me and those absentees that are really uh, putting Napoli's title challenge in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at just the plays that they're missing right now. So not just Victor Ossiman, but Khalidou Koulibaly in defence is probably just as big, if not bigger, mm. for them. Along with Costas Manolas, that's their starting centre-back partnership missing. They've been forced to play players like Juan Jesus and, as you mentioned as well, Di Lorenzo in a back three. But as well, missing Zambo and Gisa in midfield, who has been brilliant for them mm. just as that sort of screener, box-to-box midfielder. I allows. can't take him seriously. Anyone associated with that Fulham team that yeah. got relegated, I feel like they've just kind of meme footballers. But, but to be honest, he's, he's flourished in Serie A and he's really started to take his career to the, the levels I think we all expected it to be when he went to Fulham. Yep. And, you know, as you said, we don't really talk about that Fulham team because they were woeful. Um, but in terms of what Napoli are missing, they're missing, you know, their defence, they're missing their attack, they're missing their midfield. And right now with the games coming, not just in terms of uh, there being games full stop, but the, the frequency of these games, three-day breaks, four-day breaks, they add up. You know, they're, v- they're very much in danger as well of actually being bundled out of the Europa League, which actually could work out for them in the league because in the second half of the season, they when they hopefully get a few players back, they'll be able to focus solely on the league. But in that sense, they're still going to lose Koulibaly and Ossiman, even if they both re- miraculously recover in time for AFCON. That's still going to be a massive loss for them. So that January, February period, if they're not careful, considering how Inter are playing, how Atalanta's playing, how Milan have found their feet again over the past week, they are in danger of potentially falling way off the pace. And this was supposed to be Napoli's season. When you look at the caliber of players they've got, they got the coach that can actually get could actually make it work, you know. Um, Ossiman, you know, was looking like he was going to be fit this season and it hasn't worked out. And it's been a bit of a hard week for him, not just on the field, but off it too. You know, Spalletti gets sent off. There's murmurs that Lorenzo Insigne is leaving on a free at the end of the season and that he's refusing to sign a new contract, which it further hampers their plans for the long term. You know, you lose your, your captain, mm-hmm. your best, arguably your best player. It's, and you lose him for nothing, it's, it's going to further hamper Napoli's ability, not just for this season, but going forward. And then you got a guy like Irving Lozano openly saying in the press that Napoli is a stepping stone for him and he wants to move to a And he hasn't team. even been that great at Napoli in the three seasons I mean, he's been there. Talk about delusions of grandeur. I mean, the chance that he missed against mm. Atalanta, I don't know if you saw it, Nick. It was yeah. about six yards out, maybe less. 
and he managed to kick the ball backwards into himself and then mm. out of play. Like this guy isn't exactly setting the world alight. He's he has flashes of brilliance and can do a decent Lorenzo Insigne impression every three weeks, but you know he's not the week in week out performer that Napoli thought they were no. signing. I mean. You know, his highlight reel is, is very uh, alluring, but I think appearances can be deceptive from out from the outside. And you talk about the Europa League. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a Champions League preview a bit later on. But just looking ahead to this Napoli-Leicester City game on Friday morning, do you really want to win that if you're Napoli? Do you want to burden yourself I with mean, more fixtures? I mean, they, they need to get a result if they want to get through. Mm-hmm. Leicester City on eight points. They're level with Spartak Moscow on seven. Uh, but with the head-to-head record counting. Um, unfortunately, their goal difference is way better than Spartak's, but the head-to-head record, record counts now in the, in the Europa League. So they have to win, mm. essentially, because you expect Spartak Moscow to get uh, some sort of a result against Legia Warsaw. So, so to give them any chance of going through to the playoffs or, or going through, um, I guess they would leapfrog Leicester City if they won. So, you know. They've got to win. It's, this, the equation is simple, but is this something that they want to win? Is it? easier in this situation to just play the youth team, play the reserves, throw this one and, um, and allow yourself the process of, you know, the bit of time to get all these injured players back. There's a few train of thoughts with this, with Napoli over the next few weeks, because they've got a big month heading into not only in terms of, you know, their, their title race credentials, but that they could further, further fall behind the pace in terms of losing more players. They've got that massive game against Milan in a couple of weeks time. Um, but when you look at it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, remember, the, the further you progress in Europe, whether it's the Champions League, the Europa League, or the Conference League, it's more money. Yep. And right now, clubs can't afford to be losing more money than they already have. And Napoli aren't the most heavily resourced club in Italy. Like, it's no sure. secret that that was half the reason why they weren't able to keep up with Juventus, despite how good they were. When it came to finances, they were not spending nearly as much as you were able to. And it's look, sort of almost reflective of the broader economic divide in Italy. In Italy, being a southern North Italian versus team. South. Yeah, and considering Napoli have Bar, maybe when Benevento and Salernitana and a few others like Bardi have been promoted, they've been the sole southern Italian team for a very long time. Um, look, for me, it, it goes either way. You go out and it works well for them. You look at what happened to Inter last season when they went out of the Champions League and finished fourth in their group. Second half of the season, they ran through everyone in Serie A and completely benefited from the fact that Milan were playing Europa League and other teams were in the knockout stages. In this situation, though, look, I think you that that, that the financial incentive of going far is you know does that way. You're not going to tank the game. I just think that if they were to lose, okay. I don't think they will be necessarily losing sleep. I think if you drop say points against Milan, you drop more points, especially against Milan, and you fall further behind the pace. That will cause more worry for Luciano Spalletti, especially heading into winter and the more difficult part of the season when Napoli are going to lose players regardless of if they're fit or not. So um, it, as, it, it's a tough one because it's not just Napoli in this situation. It's Milan as well. They've, they face a similar thing this week in terms of, you know, do you go, th- you know, hammer and tong against Liverpool and hope for the best? Um, and it's... It, end of the day, coaches go out to win games. Sure. And look... Either way, they're not going to be able to put out a full-strength team. They don't have the depth right now to really be wheeling in too many of these depth players because their depth is not that great for what they've got. They've seen the same in. thing at Roma in more extreme circumstances. But with Roma, it's it's more because Mourinho wants to send a statement. But with Napoli, you know, playing okay. guys like Andrea Petagna and Diego Deme and Goulam and these sort of players are players on the out. They're players that are so far down the pecking order. 
they're not necessarily first team starters. So either way, like they don't necessarily have they're not drafting kids into the bench either. They're going they're not even filling their bench. No, three I mean, four you get players a massive down. bench in Serie yeah, A. It's but. it's not like Roma who fill their bench with eight kids every week. It's like a rotating pack of kids. Napoli aren't doing it at all. It's like, well, what's the point? So it's it's an interesting one. But Josh, I think we should move on. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned Roma, and they did lose 3-0 against Inter. Inter were brilliant. Again, they've been brilliant for a good month now and have really, really closed that gap at the top. But there's one thing that I want to talk about, Josh, and it's not necessarily about the game itself. It's about a certain player who made his debut. And I'm very happy to see he made his debut, and that's Christian Volpato. Very, very pleased. I see our producer, Pakua, just head in hands because she knows exactly where this is going. And, Josh, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because there was a bit of discourse in the uh, – Soccer Twitter sphere yesterday. The second, I, and I knew this was going to happen. The second that Christian Volpato was first on a team sheet a few weeks ago, that the second this kid sees minutes, everyone's going to say, especially considering he has the dual citizenship, we need to cap Christian Volpato right away or we are screwed. Newsflash. Calm. I'm not even going to say the other words I could put calm, in that. Calm up. your farm. Calm your farm. Just calm down. That's what you're going to say, right? Yes. But there is no rush. There is no race. The kid has played five minutes. I'm not diminishing the talent and the obvious potential that Christian Volpato has. But when you consider context right now, do Australia have, you know, the the opportunity right now to just go in a crunch qualifier and say, you know, we need to play Christian Volpato for a few minutes off the bench against the Saudis, even though he's barely played a professional minute because we need to keep him from the potential of Italy capping him before us, considering that he's so far down the pecking order in the Italian system. To that I respond, Nick, who is Christian Volpato's agent? Uh, it is Francesco Totti. Yes. Who is Alex Robertson's agent? Isn't it Francesco Totti? No, no it is Michael uh, Owen. Michael Owen, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's not I, Francesco I, Totti. I, I thought maybe Totti had a moment. <laughs> it was like his own little Australian <laughs> football farm he has going at the moment. Uh, it, was, it was a trick question. Yeah. But... Is there a common thread in these two situations there where is. there is a legendary player mentoring a young Aussie eligible player and maybe, maybe just maybe pushing them in the direction of a different national team? Potentially, but Christian Volpato right now, when you think about it, why are we rushing to cap him though? Because he has to play three games. Mm. Three games. The next two windows, do you think that the Socceroos have – the window to just turn around and go, we're going to play him as a victory cigar in three games where they probably won't have the opportunity to play a victory cigar. People are saying, oh, you know, but if he doesn't, if he's not able to play in that situation against Oman and Vietnam, we have big problems. Newsflash, you've been living under a massive We rock. do have big the problems. The Socceroos <laughs> have big problems. Like, <laughs> I don't know how clear it has to be said. Like the Socceroos have massive problems beyond Christian Volpato playing or not. The thing is... We are so scared of our own shadows here. Mm. If the kid wants to play for the Socceroos, he will play for the Socceroos. If he doesn't, then you know what? Like, and it's Daniel Azani's situation all over again. But the difference here is Volpato has barely kicked the ball in anger at senior football, at that level in senior football. If he goes out and he plays for the next few weeks, next few months, and he balls out, say he puts together an amazing month of football for Roma, he's killing it, you know, he's starting regularly. Yes, select him, play him because he's earned it on merit. Don't pick him because you're worried about a national team picking him before you will. Because mm. let's be real, let's be 100% real, there are probably 20, 30 attackers around that range that are ahead of Christian Volpato in the Italian national team system right now. 
when you think about at least, it, <laughs> at least that's but a conservative when you, estimate. When you when you think about it with Australia, it's obviously not as much. Mm. So why are we so worried about the reigning European champions? That's the fact. I know they potentially could miss the World Cup. About them selecting Volpato in the near future. Hell, if we've got some friendlies coming up, like I saw the comparison. Shout out to you, Vince Regari, about Chris Economides. Yeah. The difference is with Chris Economides in this situation. Because he was, was on Lazio's books and he'd barely played a professional game when Ange called no. him up. But remember the difference in that situation. Chris Economides was picked in the first window after Australia won the Asian Cup for two friendlies against, against Macedonia and against Germany. Just meaningless friendlies, mm. right? Different scenario, just playing once and he's theirs. Chris Economides is who was the other nation that was competing for Economides as well, not signature, but like his services for the national team. I would guess Greece based on the yes. Senate. No disrespect to Greece. Well, some disrespect. But <laughs> let's be real. Greece, smaller talent pool compared to Italy. Coached by John Van Skip. Absolutely. There so was probably greater scope. Rather than Roberto yeah. Mancini, there's there's levels to this game. Yes. So it's it's comparing apples and oranges. But please, can we just calm down for a second about Christian Volpato playing for the Socceroos? We don't need to do that right now. Australia's focus should just be picking the best 23 players that are playing right now to get them to freaking Qatar. These are do or die yeah. games. Australia's in big trouble. Look, I mean, look, if Graham Arnold has watched... Uh, a lot of youth football that Christian Valpardo's played maybe and and really thinks that he's better than the other options he could draft into his squad? Sure, but let's not cap him for the sake of capping him because the rules have changed. Mm. One appearance, one token appearance is not enough to tie his allegiance uh, anymore. They've, they've recently changed. So uh, I don't think playing a guy three times in three of the most important games that the Socceroos will uh, play in the next four-year cycle mm. is really the move and here. And let's be real. It might not just be the next two windows that are coming up that, you know, the soccer is going to have to play crunch qualifiers. It's prob- it could be four. Yeah. Four windows because there's a very good chance they finish third. They go to have to play the Asian Confederation game. Then they have to go play a combo ball. The, the one caveat I would have is is the Totti factor and the fact that, you know, I mean, Volpato himself has said in past interviews that, you know, doors kind of open for you when Totti is your agent, yeah, you know, taken more seriously. Uh, so... Maybe if he ends up getting drafted into a Italian youth national squad, Which he has. then his allegiance starts yeah, to shift. But the thing is, I, he, I would definitely be in contact with him if absolutely. I'm the national team, if I'm the federation, if I'm the coach. But I think it's too soon to draft him into a senior camp. Look, I think what you can do is you can bring him into camp as like a train-on player, okay, as someone to sort of get a feel for it because it's almost like an invitation. Like it's almost like you're coming in for a test drive, and it's like suss how it feels if you like it. No worries. We'll keep the op- option there. You know, if you're Graham Arnold, you're getting on the phone and you're having conversations with him now. You're congratulating him. You're saying, you know, look, we're going to keep an eye on you because obviously the kid is talented. Mm. But you're not saying to him, hey, mate, you're playing against Vietnam. You're playing against Oman in the next games. Unless, hey, in the next two months, as I said, if he comes and he, you know, the next few games he's, for Oman, he's regularly making appearances. Starting that's, every that's week. A different, yeah. That's a different story. This is, you know, this is one appearance off the bench, and there's a lot of players who, who make, remember, like, late cameos. What the scoreline was at that point, it was 3 0. Yeah, there was, it was five minutes to go. There was no way Roman were coming back from that. And no. let's talk about the actual game. Because, no, well, yeah. I mean,. Roma are in crisis at the moment. Mm. Uh, there was an Olympico at the Olympico. Mr. Hakan Chalanolu uh, scoring direct from a corner kick. Bit suspect, the goalkeeping from Patricio there. 
Yeah, right through his legs. A bit of luck. It wasn't like Quadrados. You don't think he intended that? You don't think he put the dip on the ball, the, no. the Magnus effect? There's in one motion? thing you've got to remember about Hakan Chalanoglu is that he, I think that half the stuff sometimes he does, and I've, it felt like that sometimes at Milan, is just almost like a hit and hope. And if it came off, great. If it didn't, then that's just hey, Hakan. He, his his and, celebration uh, made out like he meant it. <sighs> Saluting the fans. As I said to you, Josh, to as crowd. I said to you, Josh, his personal graphic designer probably had that ready to go for him at the <laughs> second the game ended and the second he got hold of his phone afterwards to post on Instagram. Um, but in terms of the game, look, Inter right now are playing on another level. Uh, they're, they're right now the form team in Serie A. Did, um, did Roma really play Roger Ibanez as a, as yeah, a right did. wing back? They did. And, um, I can't think of a central defender more ill-suited yeah. to playing as a wing back. So they had short, they had uh, Matias Vigna. This this they, formation here is not right. They had Vigna out on one side and uh, okay. Ibanez on the other. And they had Veritu, Mkhitaryan and Cristante in midfield. But um, they just got overrun, and that's what happens when you look at these two lineups. I know they didn't have Tammy Abraham, but that probably wouldn't. I'm sorry, Pakua, but that probably wouldn't have changed a hell of a lot. At the end of the day, Roma's got big issues in midfield and defences. We've spoken at length about. Um, they are four centre backs in one side. That's, that's some yeah. Tony Pulis areas from uh, Richard, Richard Garcia as well. Um, but <laughs> you, you, you look at it in terms of how into play right now, and there's one man that. Just doesn't get enough credit, and it's Marcelo Brozovic to all this. And the fact that Inter could lose him for free is would be an absolute disaster. I know they lost Lukaku, I know they lost Takemi, but if Brozovic left, they don't have a player like that that can mm. you know that you can just call upon whether they're in the squad or in world football. Full stop. I think Brozovic is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated player in world football. Um, the way he makes everyone better around him and his work rate and everything else is so important to the way Inter play. But um, right now... He does everything. Yeah. He does a bit of everything. He's not yeah. a specialist in midfield. He's an all-rounder. Yeah. And, you know, he can receive the ball uh, in so many different scenarios and keep a hold of it and progress it. Uh, he's incredible defensively. You, you have to be quite a player to make up for the shortfalls mm. of Chalinolu and Borella, who are two much more Late specific, yeah. specific limited players in those two other midfield roles. But has the demise of Inter been greatly overstated? Uh, well, I think so. I think that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I think that a lot of us mm. thought losing Lukaku, losing Hakimi would have been... Losing Conte. Conte as well, of course. The biggest one of the lot. Um, but Simone Inzaghi, it took time mm-hmm. to, get it, to get it going. But once he's got it going, they've been very good this season. I still think um, their only shortfall for me is still in terms of that that the, the midfield three, I still think with Chalonoglu in there, not just saying this because I'm obviously a Milan fan, but I still think that Chalonoglu is such a sca- is such a scratchy player that you just don't know what you're going to get. And there's going to be times where he's going to frustrate and there's going to be times where Inter might need to look for an upgrade in there. Um, but the other thing that as well is going to keep working against Inter's favour is until they get new owners, they're going to be in this situation every single transfer window where they're going to have to sell to stay afloat. Um, I know Lataro Martinez signed a new deal, um, but right now, Lataro Martinez isn't even starting for Inter right now. Um, I, I think Lataro Martinez is one of the best strikers in Serie A, one of the best strikers in South America. But I think with the form of Joaquin Correa and Edin Dzeko, and considering that you know he hasn't had a great season, you have to be asking the questions in this situation. You know, Is Lataro Martinez someone that we can actually afford to potentially move on and use that money to sprinkle into positions of need? Because they do need better midfield depth. Their midfield depth for me, bar Stefano Senzi, is not good enough. 
Arturo Vidal is getting on. Roberto, the, the drop-off with Roberto Gagliardini and Matias Vecino in the starting lineup is too great. And I get a sense that Inter, at the end of the day, they're, they're least, the least of their problems is up front. And they can cover that no issues whatsoever. They can go and get someone for no problems if they want to go and get another striker. Hell, they've even still got Alexis Sanchez on their books. But if Lautaro Martinez gets the big offer, the, if the godfather offer does come from a Premier League side or from La Liga, you'd have to really consider it considering Inter's financial situation at the moment. But if they're able to keep this squad together through January, through till the future, they're always going to be up there. And I've got to give Simone Inzaghi a lot of credit because even at Lazio, he had a lot of, copped a lot of flack, mm. but he did a really good job with them. And you're seeing the difference under him and Maurizio Sarri at Lazio as well. Um, they're a very unstable team under Sarri, not compatible for the way that they played under um, Inzaghi. Like, you know, going from a back three to a back four, um, the players just don't suit that system. They haven't got a six that can play the Jorginho role, the Metzala. So they've got issues there. But anyways, um, Inter, fantastic. Roma, big issues. Um, in terms how, of the other How games, long does Mourinho last? How long before well, they pull the trigger on him? I mean, you look at the table right now. They're seventh and they're still... They're, they're, they're falling off the pace for top four. I think that they'll give him... I think they'll give him January. Mm-hmm. I think they'll give him January. I think they'll give him at least a bit of time to potentially sign some players in January. But I think if it gets to around that March, April, and the results are starting to wane, I wouldn't be surprised if Roma pulls the trigger. If it's not during the season, definitely at the end of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to remember, I think he signed quite a hefty contract he always does and he always expensive i I don't remember the exact length of his contract but um it's you know the payout for that it's it's going to be bigger than they've had with any of their previous coaches who they've sacked um for someone like him but anyways let's move on quickly go through the rest of the results in city and we'll move on uh milan they kicked off the weekend with a 2-0 win over salernitana an important win for them heading into a massive game against Liverpool. I mean, Salernitana seemed like also runs this season, even yeah. with Frank Ribery in the squad. Salernitana are a great story because they're a historically massive um, Serie A team. They folded, they came back. Um, it's good to see them back up here, but beautiful part of the world, be, of course. Everyone's uh, having a great time one of, living one there. One of the best like away days ever in Salernitana, <laughs> one of the beautiful parts of the world. Um, but for Milan, massive three points for them. They're back on track after a few lean results, but it's an important win for them. Um, in terms of the other games this weekend, as we mentioned, you're there 2-0 over Genoa. If you're going to watch any game from the weekend, I'd suggest watching Venezia versus Hellas Verona or at least watch the highlights. Venezia were 3-0 up at halftime. They went down to 10 and Hellas Verona ran over them. Uh, Giovanni Simeone continues his amazing season uh, for Hellas Verona, really starting to fulfill that potential up front. A win for Lazio as well, and also some real exciting games between Bologna, Fiorentina, and Spezia Sassuolo. But let's move on, Josh. Um, we'll take a short break in the meantime. When we come back from that, we'll jump into a little bit of La Liga and Bundesliga chat. I want to start with Bundesliga, though, because there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on there in terms of imposters, uh, coaches have been sacked, and a player has decided to take matters into his own hands when it comes to the referees and maybe said a bit too much. Yeah, just a tad. You've got to be careful in those post-match interviews. Uh, You've got, got to be careful with a hot mic. Yeah. Just like we have to sometimes. But anyways, <laughs> back with more here on the Euro Show on FNR. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> 
don't have to get about you, did you? You don't have to get about you, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Tabano and Josh Parrish here. I always smile when I hear that intro. It's such a good intro. Got to give credit to Lockie props, Flanagan. Props to Lockie Flanagan. Um, you know this isn't even the finished product. There were more things that were going to be added Ooh. to it, but we actually ran out of time last week because this was like a – it got to about 20 past five last week. And we, we had the disaster of the first week with our um, watermarked depressing Euro trash uh, that, you know, <laughs> won the won – I've got to say, uh, shout out to Buds from for fuck's sake – uh, he loved it. You didn't. Uh, so we had to ditch it. And yeah. Lockie goes, oh, Nick, you know, you got an intro. I'm like, no, I don't. But I've got an idea. It was very ambitious. Mm. And I thought, okay, you know me in, in the group chats. I love my reaction videos. I love so your Sopranos memes. Yep. And I just got together the, the ultimate collation of great memes with the meme track itself from the great Dave Davutovic. Uh, if you haven't seen it, head over to Joey Lynch's Twitter page because he posted another meme made by Lockie of mm. Dancing Duva, which uh, featured heavily in the Optus Sport Euros <laughs> coverage. Um, but it's, that, a, it's a deep well of uh, niche. memes. But I think the most important thing to say is that uh, Sopranos is all about uh, organised crime and anger, which really fits well with the theme of Italian football. That the Absolutely. Show often did. You know, that, what is Italian football if not organised crime and anger? Yeah, but the organised crime stuff, I mean, that's only with some teams, starting with Jay and with S. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's... Speaking of potentially libelous things, yeah. uh, let's, let's talk about Jude Bellingham. <laughs> yeah, look, Jude Bellingham, uh, he was on the wrong side of history. I guess he said some things that weren't necessarily... I don't know about wrong side I mean, of history. I mean, history. he spoke his mind, and I'm okay with people speaking their mind. It's always a good thing. You know, we speak our minds here at FNR, and we say what's on our mind, but there's in the, in sometimes when you're in a situation like Drew Bellingham was, you sometimes need to tone it down a little bit and just don't put yourself in a situation where you can get fined. If you missed it, here's what Drew Bellingham had to say after Borussia Dortmund's 3-2 two, no, loss against Bayern Munich on the weekend. Well, for me it wasn't, you know, he's not even looking at the ball and he's fighting to get it and it hits him, I don't even think he's looking at the ball, but, you know, you can look at a lot of the decisions in the game, you know, you give a, a referee that's, you know, match-fixed before the biggest game in Germany, what do you expect? What do you expect? I mean, I'm not sure about the quality of the audio there and their post-match interviews in Germany, maybe, maybe put the generator a little further from the microphones, guys, but anyway, uh, wow, mm. wow. I mean, it's not exactly, um, you know, Tim Donahue NBA stuff. Like, no. This guy apparently in 2005, so 16 years ago. So Drew Bellingham's done his research pre-game. Yeah, he's supposed research. I'm, yeah. I'm amazed. It took me quite a long time to find out what he was referring to. Uh, the referee, uh, whose name is Zvaya, uh, accepted a 300 euro bribe from a Zwei Bundesliga second division referee to influence proceedings in favour of German minnows Wuppertaler SV. Three other officials pleaded guilty to their actions and have since served severe punishment for it. So, wow. you know, 300 euros, that's, uh, that's a cheap bribe. That's a lot of money. When you think about it, for me, it's a lot of money. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't accept it. No you're, way, you're, no chance. Would it, how much would it take for you to totally compromise your professional principles, it's, Nick? It's, it's would it be more than 300 euros, oh, surely? 100%. To be honest, you probably couldn't put a figure on it. But, uh, <laughs> it, but 
I said the I answer, couldn't. The put answer a on it. we were looking for was no figure. I said you couldn't put a figure on it because there's no figure. It's the same thing. Josh, I'm sleep deprived. All right. Anyway, <laughs> oh, so, um, you were really thinking deeply about that. Mm, how much would I take? <laughs> no, it's like you know the um, the Simpsons episode. It's like uh, you can have the new washer or dryer. Here's your, your bribe: new washer or dryer, or what's in this box? <laughs> the mystery box. Yeah, the and, box. Um, the box. In this situation, um, look, Jude Bellingham, I think, said a little bit too much. You know, you've got Jose Mourinho, who says, if I speak, I'm in trouble. I prefer not to speak. And sometimes if you do speak, you are in trouble. Yep. And with Jude Bellingham, he said too much. Look, there's a history, but you don't say that stuff. You keep your mouth shut because you say it, you're going to get yourself in hot water, and Jude Bellingham's done that. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if anything is potentially libelous because it's a fact that this guy was found guilty. Yeah, well, if it's fact. So right, maybe maybe he sh- maybe Jude Bellingham is right. He shouldn't be getting the biggest game in Germany. No, um, he probably shouldn't. But at the same time, though, like you can't say that. Just you'll get, you'll get fined by the league yeah, for like, sure. You know, you just in, like I know that in some situations, like of course you've just lost against your biggest rivals in a massive game. You you I think they were up as well and they fell behind. Um, they scored after five minutes and they yeah, they still look, lost. You know, it's a it's 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 a frustrating situation. Obviously, post game, you know, you got to remember as well. They've just lost. They've just thrown a hot mic in front of his face. He's a young kid at the end of the day as well. Mm. But you're supposed to be a little bit more switched on in that situation to just go, all right, think about what I'm going to say because this is not just this conversation. I'm going to go and vent to my players in the change rooms. There's going to be no hot mic in there. You're saying this in front of an international audience. And whatever you say is going to get nitpicked. And you have people like us on a Monday night nitpicking it and saying, you're an idiot for saying that on on, uh, on live TV. I, I don't even think the decision was necessarily incorrect. I mean, it's always a difficult one with handball, but, you know, it was a VAR call. He didn't get pushed in the back or anything. Mm. I thought he might have been shoved the way he was looking at it. But he moves towards the ball with his arm uh, crooked and outstretched. I think that is a penalty. Is that Ma- I think it's was a- that Matt Hummels? It was Matt Hummels. It was me. Yes. <laughs> hey, Nick, can you explain why you decided well, to to punch the ball, to elbow the ball in that um, situation? I had a moment where I thought, okay, um, I forgot what sport I was playing for a second, <laughs> and um, I was too busy going between countries and did he my said, AFL he, preseason. And Be- yeah. Bellingham said he was fighting for the ball. The only player he was fighting with was Bellingham. Yeah. You know, there was no contact with no. the Bayern player. So no. I, I think that's a clear handball. And the referee yeah. only gave it after, after a VAR review. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just post-match frustration. Absolutely. And he's completely boiled over. I know it must be frustrating in Dortmund's position where continually, you know, you're second best. They continually steal your best players. You, you can't seem to beat them to the title, whatever you do. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a costly defeat. Um, I think really the blame for this one should be directed towards Mats Hummels, who uh, not only uh, handballed that, but also had a terrible mix-up mm. with his, uh, well, trying to play the ball back to his goalkeeper, but not getting there quickly yeah. enough. And uh, Thomas Muller, as always, is the uh, the, the crafty... Ever, the ever-crafty German. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's always sneaking up uh, on defenders yeah. and preying on, on mistakes, and he won the ball and set Lewandowski away for... For the equaliser, mm. so that that's if anything, it's, it's the central defender, his own teammate that he should be blaming, not the referee. I want to talk a little bit about not just what happened on the field. I want to talk about Marco Rosa. Um, he had a bit of a situation in regards to a, a bit of an imposter. 
<laughs> no, this wasn't a game of Among Us that Marco Rose was playing. He had a legitimate imposter, a, a cosplayer, I guess you could say. Mm. And not just him, but a whole cavalry of cosplayers joining him. Josh, what happened? This is like a, the Trojan bus. Yeah. <laughs> so yesterday before the game, uh, the TV presenter Sebastian Puff who with a name like that, you don't have to be a sketch comedy <laughs> presenter, I think. You can't get a serious job. Yeah. Uh, disguised himself as Marco Rosa and drove a fake Dortmund team bus with fake players dressed in Dortmund's team clothes. They managed to pass several checkpoints and weren't stopped until they got uh, caught in front of the dressing rooms. So, I mean, I the, my favourite thing about this is it implies that the manager drives the team bus. Yeah. Uh, like Ollie's at the wheel. <laughs> Rosa's, <laughs> Rosa's, at, Rosa's the wheel. at the wheel. Uh, but this is some serious, like, chaser areas. This is like yeah. Chaz Lichardello in the Apex Summit. Mm. You know, I'm not sure about those security checkpoints. But then again, I guess you don't expect... Uh, troublemakers to be decking out an entire team bus in in Dortmund. Is this is this like a weird version of Undercover Boss, or like <laughs> you know a weird version of you know? Is it like I wonder if well, I mean, TV presenter could there be the off chance? I don't know what they have on German TV over there that maybe it was part of a skit and it was just recorded oh, and that, I, you know, it was planned all along. Or I was, don't think it was planned. I think it's a prank TV show. I mean, that's very so. Uh, that's a good game of chicken to see how far you can get. Before being recognised, it's it is funny, but also there's a serious note to it because, you know, Dortmund have had security issues before with their mm. team bus. You know, yeah. there was an attempted oh yeah, but the, there was a bombing. Yeah. There was an, an attack on them, which was mm. supposed to hurt their share price or something. So it was it's a weird... like a it's like the a skit has exposed that nothing has changed. Well, that there's still there's still issues in their I, security. I'm, I imagine they will be tightened up after that. Dortmund oh, apparently are not pressing any charges or anything, yeah. so they, they've waived that because it was just so embarrassing. I think they wanted to go away as quickly as possible. So anyway, uh, interesting antics uh, from uh, German TV hosts. I think they're uh, keeping the spirit of the chaser Ooh. alive, and for that I salute them. Or was it maybe like, if even if it wasn't, like this is just me spitballing, it's probably not even 110% correct, or it's probably like, you know in Ted Lasso how they play like Manchester City, but they're all actors, and they're not actually players that play for Manchester City, and they've just got a guy to play Marco Rose, and he's Marco Rose for the show. Maybe it is for the new season of Ted Lasso. Maybe they play a friendly against Borussia Dortmund, and maybe just no one saw Jason Sudikas and uh, the rest <laughs> of the crew coming in from the other gate, um, and no, Nate wasn't there. Stuff, Nate. Um, but well, yeah. the way Dortmund are doing in the Champions League at the moment, you could accuse them yeah. of being well, a team of imposters. So. Well, I mean, there was one coach. If we're going to talk about coaches, Josh, there was a coach that actually was sacked. Uh, I believe this today, or was it this morning? Um, the head coach uh, of RB Leipzig. Yes, the real life Ted Lasso. Yes, the, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Marsh. Yeah, so he was given his marching orders. His after marching me. orders. Anyway, <laughs> um, they have lost their last three games, I believe, now in the league. 11th place. And they are falling rapidly through the Bundesliga at the moment. They lost 2-1 against Union Berlin on the weekend. And on Union, the eve, Union, Nick. Yep, on the eve of their, uh, it's a bit of a dead rubber. I mean, they could still make the Europa League in the Champions League, as in like finish third and go to the Europa League. Um uh, their game against Manchester City in midweek. They've decided to uh, go mutual. 
And, I mean, when you look at their position on the table, considering how they've performed for the last few seasons, it doesn't really come as a surprise. This is actually a major blow to American coaches trying to be oh, taken yeah. seriously. I mean, we're making the Ted Lasso jokes, and I'm sure, you know... It's probably been repeated that many times yeah, throughout, exactly. you know, the German discourse. Because I mean, you American remember discourse. Bob Bradley at Aston Villa didn't last very long. Bob Bradley at Roma as well didn't last very long. <laughs> well, that was only because they had American owners. But, uh, look, I... I do feel sorry for the American managers trying to make it in uh, Europe because much like Australian coaches, you're not usually given the respect. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just oh. as well Ange Postacoglu is doing so well at Celtic because, you know, if he doesn't do well, it'll set the cause of Australian mm. managers back that many years. And I think the same can be said for, for Jesse Marsh, unfortunately. Well, it's a shame because he did a really good job at Red Bull Salzburg before he took over Red Bull Leipzig, keeping in the family. Um, and also was the coach of New York Red Bull. So he really is the, the – where's he going next in the Red Bull family? Do you there... think he gets sent back to New York and he has to do it all over again? He gets relegated? Potentially. I don't know how the Red Bulls are going in the MLS, but that's a, maybe a good little case study for us to keep an eye on. But it is a shame. I mean, you do feel sorry for him in the sense that, you know, there probably now will be that un- overlying sort of – I wouldn't call it a stigma, well, a bit of a stigma around coaches that are coming from outside of Europe, especially from the Western countries such as America and, and Australia, et cetera. Um, and you do speak about mounting pressure. I mean, you do mention mm-hmm. the whole Ange Postacoglu thing. I mean, there were people taking, saying, what the hell is this, even before he even coached a game for Celtic. And now look at him. You know, he's laughing in all their faces and he's on a roll right now. Um, but, I mean, when you consider, as we said, Leipzig's performances over the past few weeks, and it really doesn't come as a surprise. But his win-loss record before that was sensational. Um, you know, a 68% win record at Red Bull Salzburg. That, that's no that joke, period. even in Austria. Yeah, and, um, you know, won half his games for 49% win record at the at the Red Bulls, in, well, New York Red Bulls. Um, and obviously at Leipzig, it just didn't work out for him. But I'm sure we'll see him surface again. Maybe he'll take a step down and go to a, maybe a lower sort of Bundesliga club, or maybe he might go to a different league. I'm sure he's still got a future in this game. It's just a shame how it's panned out for him. Yeah, no good. Uh, let's talk about La Liga uh, before we go to a break, Nick. Uh, Real mm-hmm. Madrid extending their advantage at the top of the table with yep. a 2-0 win over Real Sociedad. Yep. Um, a number of fans went along to that live screening. In Hughesdale. In, yes. uh, in Melbourne, uh, courtesy of La Liga and Glenn Rolls. hope that went really well. Uh, look, Real Madrid looked to be cruising uh, mm. this season. I mean, it's a very competitive season. But the thing that gets me is Atletico Madrid. How have they invested so heavily in their squad and got That's, worse? I mean, look who their coach is. I like. I got to give Diego Simeone. Bakura, I'm not a hater. That producer Bakura is calling me a hater, apparently. But anyways, I I respect what Diego Simeone's done at Atleti from taking them from where they were to now. But at the end of the day, you need to eventually take the handbrake off. Like you've been playing this way for such a long time. I just think that they're getting worked out all of a sudden. They've invested mm. so heavily in so much talent, so many great creative players. When if you do take that handbrake off, they could be as good as anyone in in world football. But right now, they're falling. And they're into fourth now. Real Betis have jumped them. They're in danger of falling out of the top four with Real Sociedad and Real Vallecano in sixth. I believe that. Real Vallecano in sixth that are breathing right down their necks. Falcao's Real Vallecano. Yes, I, I did forget about that, actually. But um, it's, it, it is a bit of a fall for them. Um, Real Madrid are cruising this year, Josh. Mm-hmm. They're eight points clear of Sevilla. Um, it, would be, it would take a miracle, I reckon, for them to lose the title from here. Like, go on bold here. 
Um, I just don't see Sevilla or Real Betis catching them. You know, Barcelona 16 Sevilla points are good. behind as well. Sevilla are very good, but I don't think they they're not, quite have enough. They're Ra- not going to catch Real Madrid, Madrid are just way too consistent. Um, you know, Vinny Jr. playing way too well. Benzema, despite uh, his legal troubles, is mm. still at the Hey, well, Luka Jovic game. came on and scored on the weekend. Yeah. I totally forgot about Luka Jovic. Exactly. Um, look, I, I take your point about Diego Simeone. Mm. Um, he... Still isn't giving Jao Felix, the, who should be, I believe, the centerpiece of this squad, uh, enough minutes. And, you know, it's still the same formation. It's still the two banks of four. It's still, two up top. you know, very narrow. Uh, Luis Suarez is a year older, of course, not um, as good as he used to be. But Antoine Griezmann and Jao Felix as a tandem should be tearing up defences mm. in La Liga, and they're just not. So... Uh, big questions for, for Simeone. They were a little bit um, hard done by against Mallorca, I suppose, in that they conceded two late goals. But, you know, they just panicked when the equaliser went in. And then the goal they conceded in the last minute in stoppage time, uh, mm. which is Kubo, the Japanese prodigy. Great to see him up and about again with his uh, his injury struggles. Uh, but he was just given free run. It was such a yeah. simple goal. Like the defense, defending was absolutely horrendous. And for a coach like Simeone, that will probably mean he doubles down on his defensive strategy. So I don't think we're going to see you know the, the man in black change anytime soon. It's amazing how that defense was literally just that damn good for so long, but their team's walking through them. Hell, Junior Messias, a small, tiny man, he's like about 5'10", scored a header against them. That would have been unheard of back in the days of Diego, Diego Godin and, <laughs> and Jose Jimenez or even Stefan Savage manning that. Oh, Stefan uh, Savage played. He just he came yeah, off, but, though. But, I mean, back in the day when, you know, that was a functioning unit, that mm. would never have happened. They probably would have even gotten a position across the ball in, and even if they did, it's getting cleared out straight away. So. Well, Savage wasn't on the pitch when that goal went in, well, in, there you in, go. in fairness. So uh, we'll give Stefan Savage a let off. But, Josh, uh, let's take a short break here on the Euro Show here on FNR. But before we do, I want to mention as well, quick shout-out to Tom Rogic for arguably the goal of the se- one of the goals of the season for Celtic this morning. Certainly in Scotland. Oh, it was absolutely tremendous. It wasn't as good as Anthony Burke Gilroy's yesterday for Perth Glory, I gotta say. Shout out to the former Alto and the Magic Man. But I gotta say, good to see Celtic firing on all cylinders and mm. starting to close the gap at the top. Hearts are still hanging about though. Our good friend Lockie Flanagan be very excited about that. Did you hear the story about Cammy Devlin from the weekend? No. Apparently he's accidentally uh, a wayward shot of his uh hit a fan in the face during Ouch. the warm up. Um, and multiple times he went over to check if they were okay. Um, you know, halftime when they scored during the goal celebration. Um, you know, he called uh, the medics from the team over to get give him a bit of assistance, and then he gave uh, the person his shirt at the end of the match. That's fantastic. So that's uh, wholesome stuff. Wholesome Let's take a short break. Back with plenty more just after this. Sometimes I feel I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that, did you? You don't have to get that, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show for the final time tonight. Nick Devano, Josh Parrish, and now we're joined by the third spoke of the wheel today, Oscar Rutherford, the stats man today. We'll call you the stats man for this. You've, you've, you've run all the permutations for the Champions League. You've done the formulas. Mm. We're curious to hear about the different scenarios right now because it's a big weekend, big week, midweek fixtures, obviously, being the final group stage match day. 
Um, what can you tell us about what, what we can expect heading into a really exciting two days of action? Yeah, I mean, as you say, lots of exciting games to look forward to across the different groups, particularly on a Thursday morning as opposed to Wednesday, because Wednesday really it's just the Group B. It's mm-hmm. Milan, Atletico and Porto battling it out. Obviously still a lot to do there. You know better than anyone that, about that, Nick. Uh, Milan with the challenge of beating Liverpool at San Siro. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's fairly... Well, my, my theme that I've identified across these groups, because I've, I've identified a theme, I've gone above and beyond, oh, yes. is that the ball is in the Portuguese team's courts. Well, okay, okay. The ball is in Porto's court, straight up, if they win, yep. they're through. Simple, simple, as, simple as they like it. They're fairly reasonable, yeah. Mm-hmm. And are they home or away to Atletico? They're home to they're Atletico home, yeah. Madrid, and Atletico Madrid in pretty bad form as well, so... Mm. <laughs> we need a draw. <laughs> we need a draw. <laughs> Porto, top of their league, home to a struggling Atletico side. Yep, just get, get the three points and they're through, simple as you like it. Of course, they've got a backup plan, in the form of Milan Liverpool, oh, oh Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool, yeah, um, that, and and so the, the the theme that I've identified, the, the, where it extends to though, of course, is to Benfica and and they're in their group with Bayern and Barca, Barca on the edge of elimination for the mm. first time uh, from the group stage in I think twenty years, back when they I think lost out to it was Milan and Leeds I think. Oh, wow, so long ago. Was that well, such a that, time? that would have been Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka's Leeds team. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. So it's been a while. It's been a while between drinks. Pep Guardiola was captain of the team. And again, for Benfica, simple. If they win, they... See, now, now, now I feel like I've mischaracterised. It's not quite true. They could win and still not progress. But mm-hmm. if they win, odds are in their favour because then Barca would need to beat Bayern in Germany, which just doesn't seem particularly likely yeah. at this point in time. Still, Bayern already qualified. They might rotate the squad for that one. Five wins from five. I mean... Beating Barcelona is always fun for Bayern Munich. Uh, we saw uh, at Camp Nou uh, very uh, memorably. But uh, look, if they do rotate the squad heavily, Bayern might, uh, Barcelona might be in with a chance of, of keeping their Champions League hopes alive. Yeah, it's, and it's a fair point, And it'll be interesting to see what Julian Nagelsmann does with that. But I think that you know Bayern are looking for the six from six. I think that playing Barca, I think that that's really important to them that mm-hmm. they, they beat those kinds of teams and assert themselves as... as Kind of comfortable in this competition, so I, I'd be surprised. Yeah, well, mate, mate, yeah, I don't know. I'd be surprised if they played too weak of a team. I think sure. I think they want to win this game too. Um, yeah, but then other than that, I mean, what what I actually also wanted to talk about was a group that that hasn't really doesn't get a lot of the attention because none of the kind of Goliaths <laughs> yep. of of European football are in it, and that is Group G, mm. where it's still all to play for because all four of the teams can still finish off. Everyone mm-hmm. can still make it. Everyone can still get eliminated. So that being Lille on top on eight. Uh, RB Salzburg on seven, uh, Sevilla on six, and Wolfsburg on five. Really interesting matches. Lille are playing Wolfsburg, uh, Salzburg are playing Sevilla. Anything could happen. Like, I, I yeah. cannot recommend it enough. Sounds, it's, it sounds like a really interesting group. Lots of fun stuff has been going on. It's really important for a team like Wolfsburg. We've already sacked a manager this season. It's important for Sevilla, who, you know, you see Real Madrid running away from them uh, in La Liga this season. It's important for Lille, who, who are struggling in Ligue 1 as well. So. Yeah, and if Papu Gomez is involved in any capacity, I'm suddenly interested. So, I mean, that severe side is, is good to watch. Mm. Um, I, I'd really like it if they got through. They've been unlucky, I think, a few draws that they should have turned into wins. I, they should be top of this group based on performances, I would argue. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, Sevilla are, are a very fun team, but that's a little. 
I really, really like Lille. They they are, well, also for the fact that they are kind of becoming Milan's little factory in a similar (laughs) way for Southampton to Liverpool. Um, But, I mean... They have a lot of talent, you know. Oh, Jose Font in that team, speaking yeah, of. Yeah, well, I mean, the next guy on the um, on the list, on the sort of the chain, is Renato Sanchez potentially to Milan um, at the end of the season. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one. But it's good to see. I mean, Lille, they they are playing quite – I mean, they've been actually – no, they're nowhere near it in no. the league on this year. I mean, I'm thinking still of last season when they were just flying. But um, it's amazing how you get those situations sometimes. Teams struggling in the league but playing better in the Champions League. Look at Juventus, for example. I mean, they've been, bar that disappointing performance against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, they've been so much better in the Champions League than they have been in domestic football. So Mm. um, wouldn't it be something if Lille, who are 11th in in League One at the moment, were able to win this group? But I'll be definitely keeping an eye on that one on Thursday morning. And the other name from from Lille that we haven't mentioned is, is, is Jonathan David, the Canadian Oh, yes, the striker. Canadian forward, yep. Struggled quite a lot last season, took a while to hit his straps, but he's been absolutely killing it in Ligue 1 this season. So yeah. he, he's totally one to keep an eye on and, you know, whether that's from a Milan perspective or everyone I else. think everyone. But, I, I mean, Fiorentino have been linked with him yeah. recently. Uh, could that signal Dusan Vlahovic's departure? I think it's the uh, it's the plan. It's the succession the, it's the plan. plan because also as well Insert they're get... succession theme from HBO yes. here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for cool. I will finish it. Um, but I mean, with Vlaovic going, they're going to get that massive sum of sum of money coming in. David, that's that's coming straight for I reckon to Lil to get him across. In terms of some of the other games, just to quickly run through, I mean, the biggest, the other big one as well is in Group F. Um, Villarreal and Atalanta. I mean, the winner of that as well. Win and you're in for Villarreal. They can get a point and go in. Um, I believe that game's in Bergamo? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be another game to keep an eye on. We're talking about how good Atalanta have been recently. Their Champions League form, though, in the last three hasn't really matched. They've been unlucky not to win a couple of those games, especially against Manchester United at home. But it's going to be interesting to see that one on uh, Thursday as well. And I think it's really important for Unai Emery as well because Villarreal aren't having having a good time in the league no. at all. So their Champions League run, I think, is really important for them. Whilst for Atalanta, they're still well and truly in the Serie A yep. title race. So was it a barn burner of a game last time they played each other as well? Two uh, two in Spain, in Spain yep. and uh, Francis Coquelin got a red card. <laughs> you know, there was just they were just trading goals backwards and forwards. At- Atalanta was ahead, two goals mm. from Villarreal, and then Gosens equalised. I don't think Unai Emery is going to want the game to get as stretched as it did chaotic, yeah. in in uh, in the first match day. So I would suspect he'll try and keep things tight. Obviously, Atalanta needing a win will be going mm. all guns blazing, all out attack. The only way Gasparini really knows how to play. Yeah, I think for me though, uh, if we're going to pick games, we're all looking forward to. Uh, this is going to be a cracker. I mean, if we're going to talk about that Milan-Liverpool game, there is a lot on the line in this one. San Siro, match day six. Remember the first game back at Anfield in match day one where. Milan hit them with the one-two punch before halftime when they should have probably been down by three or four um, and took the lead. Liverpool ended up winning in the second half. They were too good on the day. But this is an interesting one because Liverpool are in this situation right now, similar to Bayern Munich, where they've won every game. They've, they're comfortably clear of everyone else. Mm. But they are a team, knowing Jurgen Klopp, he probably won't go full hammer and tong heavy, mm. 11 plays in, 11 plays out. But there's if we had a look at what they did against Porto in, at Anfield... There will be some rotation. Um, I'd expect to see Canate play this one. Yep. Probably, probably Minamino will probably yep. play. Uh, I can imagine, what, three or four changes? I think so. Side. I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain starts, maybe Divock Origi, Origi yep. as well. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game because, as we spoke about with Milan, similar situation to Napoli, 
Do you go all out and you think about what's coming with the CDR title race and losing players uh, in January to AFCON? I think that Milan will give themselves every chance to win this, but unfortunately for them, as you did mention, it's out of their control. They need to hope for something to happen in Porto, but it's amazing how they've been able to stay in it. I mean, they were f- minutes away from elimination against Atleti, and then out of all players, you know, Junior Messias is the hero. Um, so it's going to be a really fun game. I mean, Sun Ciro is going to be pumping. I think they've already sold out all. I, I think that they're at seventy-five percent capacity, so it'll be it'll probably be about sixty thousand seats full to the brim at the Sun Ciro. And we know those magical Sun Ciro nights in the past. I think it's time to recapture that that energy and that emotion. And uh, the thought of it for me is quite exciting. Milan beating Liverpool at the Sun City and booking their place in the next round. I couldn't think of anything better. It's a stop, shame that we're not looking Liverpool actually out. rubbing your hands. Um, Oscar, <laughs> do you have a prediction for this group? I tend to think that Milan will win, but Porto will also win and consign them to the <laughs> to Europa, Europa League, League. Which is even worse than finishing fourth. <laughs> a fate worse than death. <laughs> I prefer the much less dramatic form, which is that Liverpool at least get a draw and then Porto don't win either. It's two draws and then Could you Porto, imagine that? Porto, Porto scrape draw. home. Do you imagine it's something it's like, boring. you know, Porto's up 1-0, Milan's up 1-0, yeah. and then Porto, you know, cop an equaliser, but then Milan cop an equaliser yeah. in the last... I think my heart will fall out yeah. of its chest. I think it will literally be like that uh, that Simpsons episode where Bart literally <laughs> gets his heart wrenched out of his chest. Um, but, you know, that's sport. That's sport for you. That, that, that's what happens. So I think I want, speaking of the Simpsons, uh, a Nick uh, Heart Health cam that morning just to, yeah. with, like, <laughs> like Homer, when Homer yeah. gets fired. Yeah, <laughs> and look, to be honest, I'll, I, I will be at work that morning and um, I'm going to have it up on the, uh, on the not on the big telly, but on the laptop. Mm. Um, and I tell you what, if Milan are able to somehow get through, considering they didn't have a single point from their first three games, only one point going into that game at the Wanda Metropolitano, it's an amazing turnaround, um, and it's an amazing turnaround for Milan, who, a club of their stature, just putting it bluntly, they belong in the round of 16 of the UEFA Champions League. Can I ask you one thing? Mm-hmm. What has happened to your boy, Deserbi, at Shakhtar Donetsk? Uh, they are bottom of been, the group, behind Sheriff, one point yeah. from five games. To be honest, you, I'm sure You linked him with the Manchester United Mate, job I'm a couple of weeks you, ago. I'm telling you, you know, just the magic hasn't rubbed off just yet. Mm. But hey, give it time. I mean, look, this that, this group has been very weird. Let, let's let's put it bluntly. This sure. has been a strange group. Like Sheriff beat Madrid at the start. I, of I would suggest, yeah. you know, KGB involvement in this one. Because Sheriff is owned mm. by a former KGB yeah, agent. That's yeah, all yeah. I was saying. I mean, yep. now now my sudden you know excitement for Sheriff throughout this group stage has started to wane very quickly. <laughs> but um, Shakhtar, I mean, look, they haven't had it going their own way. I believe in the league. I'm just going to double check this. Equal they top. are absolutely yeah, equal top. They've only lost <laughs> once. But again, it's that it's this weird thing. As we said, there are teams in the league that are doing terribly, mm. but are doing well in the Champions League. We got these teams that are doing so well in the league, but it's not translating. I, I don't know what's going on there. And I wonder how that affects how they play. Like, if you've yeah. got everything kind of riding on this, if you're a Lille, if you're a, an Atletico, if you're one of these teams, then does that give you that, that extra For something? Yeah. There's too much riding on this. But, yeah. but also as well, like, I think the one thing you've got to remember is if Shakhtar's eggs are in the basket of winning the league this season in Ukraine, then Changing like, things you up know, a bit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, maybe for them, Champions League isn't a priority. They know they'll just qualify again next mm. year. I mean, for them, they're probably fist-pumping, thinking, yay, we can win this game, but we don't have to go to the Europa League. How good is that? It's found a way like, to make Deserbi look all right again, hasn't he? I'll tell you what, though. Do you, like, honest opinion. I, th- I, like, think, he, I think he's Deserbi's agent. <laughs> I, I, 
you know, probably. It was um, part of the plaid. The I mean, our plaid. Do you, do you guys think, like, honestly, am I am I nuts in thinking that finishing third in the Champions League group stage is literally like being consigned to like you know purgatory? It's, like, it's literally <laughs> being stuck. Yeah, it, it is purgatory. You're stuck in limbo. It's like we don't want to be in the Europa League, but we have to do it anyway. What if uh, you're Sevilla? I think everyone else hopes Sevilla uh, don't finish third. I mean, if you're in the Europa League and you actually have ambitions well, of winning it, like, oh my god, say Sevilla, you are like, uh oh. Here we go again. Deja vu. <laughs> It'd be the same if Shakhtar Donetsk went to the Europa League because they're always in the latter stages of that too. They're probably just like, stuff it. I want to just play club football, mm. man. I don't want to go around. I, I think this Champions used League. to be the case, but now that the Conference League exists... Which uh, is that even is, more. <laughs> that, that is that is obscure. That is I think, Azkaban. I, I think you, the Europa League is, you know, uh, limos and Learjets compared to the Conference League. The, confer- anyway. the Conference League is Azkaban. Or it's very Spursy. Oh, it's deeply, yeah. deeply Spursy. Do, do you guys think that Tottenham are like just the, they made it for Tottenham to make them feel better? Like, <laughs> uh, because the European Super League fell you know, through. <laughs> you know what? I reckon they made it specifically for the two North London teams, for Tottenham and for Arsenal to be excited mm. about something, just to give them a little bit. You're playing in Europe, but I you're playing in the Conference League. Yeah. It is the conference. All right. Before we go. for us to go. Well, who's in pole position to win this thing? Who will you be most impressed oh. with across the group stage? Because for me, it's Ajax. They've been amazing. Box office, man. Sebastian Allaire, the goal machine. Hey, I'd say to your Hammers fans out there, you know, you lost faith with him. Don't do the same with Nikola Vlasic because I tell you what, this man is a baller. Um, and it goes to show that, hey, if you're a flop in the – well, actually, no, no. If you don't perform in the Premier League, you're not a bad player. You can actually perform outside of the Premier League and still be a good player. Yeah, I look, they'll probably go out in the round of 16 yeah. now that we've said that, but uh, I, amazing group stage. I think for me, uh, Liverpool or Bayern Munich. I know it's not the question that you asked, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to Sheriff Tiraspol for, for, their, <laughs> for their run because I've really enjoyed reading about them yeah. and learning about what they've done You know, from, from a disputed mm-hmm. territory and whatnot. It's really Absolutely. exciting being uh, Madrid. I love in their home games, you get that distinctly kind of Iron Curtain feel. Like the, the broadcast is a little bit fuzzy, yeah. the camera <laughs> angle's a bit off. You know, it look, it seems like you've gone back in time 20 or 30 years yeah. when you watch a Sheriff Tiraspol game. And, you know... Uh, it's and hey, read up on on the on the history of Transnistria, and you'll find that's yeah. not even that far away from the truth. It's crazy. You know? <laughs> it's unbelievable. So who who do you go on with? As, oh! as anyone, you got to pick some. Be bold. Uh, uh, Bayern are good. Bayern, yeah. Bayern, Bayern are very. So we're all going Bayern here. No one else, not even a smoky. I, I said Ajax, but uh, is that your smoky to, to another, win the whole another, thing? Another run. I think I think it would be fun to see Ajax like get to the semi-finals again and uh, hopefully not lose to Spurs in heartbreaking fashion. Oh, not that again. I'd That's say watch out for Porto when they get through their group. Because... Um, yeah. Cause, okay. They've been good. I mean, you know, you beat Milan and Atleti. That's a that's a good outcome. Yeah. Not many would have tipped that. Um, in terms of the other team that I think I would not be surprised just based off how weird this Champions League and this season has been, Juventus would <laughs> not surprise me. At the one year, they're really bad. Yeah. They go deep in the Champions League and they potentially... Imagine if they broke the curse this, this year. This season. Allegri wins it, mate. The, the bona giornata he will give if he gets the... <laughs> no, that's, not, it, gonna be the, that's like, not going to be the narrative. It's going to be the fact that Ronaldo was an anchor around yeah. their necks. And you know what? Vindication. <laughs> um, and also, the other team actually to look out for that I reckon will that they've now broken their group stage curse, Inter. They have been very good, and I'd be curious to see how they balance it now between Champions League and Serie A. I think they're going to get a nightmare draw in the round of 16. They'll they'll end up playing Bayern and go out. Oh, I don't know about that one, Josh. Finishing second, it's never a good good result. Anyways, I think that's time for us to wrap up. But hey, actually, before we go... 
They could still win the group. They could, they but could they won't. Oh, I don't know, Josh. They I don't won't. know. You've got to give Simone Inzaghi some more credit. At, um, at the Bernabeu with Madrid in this form, not, not the a Bernabeu chance. Now it's the other ground. Oh, is it the? Uh, it's being renovated. It's the no. other Santi. It's they're not playing at the Bernabeu. They're playing at a different stadium. I think they, they went back pretty recently. Did they? Because they've still got the big tops. You thought they were playing uh, at the... Uh, the training ground. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, they're back at the Bernabeu now. Yeah. But they've still got the big tarps. Yeah, there are they? tarps. According to Google, they're playing at the Bernabeu. No, they definitely it, are. There, it, there are tarps are on the bottom level. they playing against, like, you know, this is real A-League last season areas when yeah. the tarps are... If, there's a, is, if they're at the Bernabeu, but there's not, not, not full stands, no, no mm. fans in the stands, are they really... Here after all. Well, maybe not. That's like a tree falling in a forest. <laughs> um, anyways, it's time for us to say goodbye here on the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. We're going to change time slot again next week. Oh, no. Um, we'll communicate that very, very soon over our social channels at FNR underscore radio on Twitter and also on Facebook as well, Football FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Devine here, Oscar Rutherford, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank um, you. No, thank you for bringing us all the permutations. Oh. Let's hope that... Maybe we get some tips going your way. Maybe the will the Portuguese factor come true? Mm. Stay tuned on Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. Going to be very interesting. Mm. But Josh as well, thank you very much. And uh, tomorrow, the guys are back. Yeah, we'll be back 6 and 7 p.m. for the Oz Football Hour and Radio Dub. And unlike this show, we don't change the time. So, no. Same no. time every week. And there's a lot to, to talk about. Will victory storm the league oh, uh, maybe in, the women's, in the women's? Oh, he changed. But the there's a big story. injury. There's a big injury on week yes, one, which is yes. absolutely heartbreaking. We'll get into that tomorrow on Radio Dub. Make sure you tune in. Sometimes I feel, I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> You don't have a gun, that's a dick. You don't have a gun, that's a dick. Attaccare! Attaccare!